The following message is from the audio teaching library of the Briarwood Pulpit, a ministry of the Briarwood Presbyterian Church in Birmingham, Alabama. Our speaker is Dr. Harry Reeder, Senior Pastor of Briarwood Presbyterian Church. It is our hope and prayer that this message will equip and encourage you in your walk with Christ, and as a result, you will be used by our Lord as an instrument of change to further His kingdom and bring honor and glory to the name of Christ. Here now is our pastor teacher, Harry Reeder. If you look with me in Romans chapter 5, this, um, we'll use this study, this last study in Romans 5 verses 1 through 5 to bring us to the Lord's Supper today. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. The grass withers, the flower fades, the word of our God abides forever. By his grace and mercy, may his word be preached for you. Please be seated. Okay, I'm going to give you another chance, apart from numbers, to speak out. So be ready. How many of you believe when the book of Ephesians says this? How many of you to believe, how many of you believe that Christ dwells in you? Well, I'm going to try that one more time. How many of you believe when the Bible says that Christ dwells in you, that he does dwell in you? You believe that? So let me ask you a question. Where is Jesus right now? Christ was raised from the dead, correct? His body glorified. After 40 days, he what? Ascended to what? Heaven. Sits at the right hand of the Father, right? And then at the right time, he is what? Coming again. So how does Christ dwell in you. (laughs) Some of you trying to preach my sermon right now. How many of you believe that Christ strengthens you? So how does he strengthen? How many of you believe that Christ will be with us until the end of the age? And how? I, I thought he was at the right hand of the Father. How many of us believe that Christ speaks to us through his word, read and preached? Amen. How does Christ, how does Christ bring dead sinners to life? How does Christ bring those saved sinners 
to himself. This is where the Apostle Paul now brings us in Romans 5. Let me try to get to it this way. I, I, I confess I'm maybe a little older, but I, I'm still a child at Christmas pretty much. Uh, I love the Advent season, that Christ came into this world to save us from our sins. I love the bright colors. I love the joy that we have even when we sing joy to the world because the Lord has come. I love this season. But one of the reasons I love this season, it was a big deal in my family. Some of you know I had uh, three sisters. Two are with the Lord now. But one of them that is with the Lord was my older sister. And I love and was friends with all my sisters, obviously, very close to them. But I was very close to her because we were together um, for so many years. And uh, she just kind of became my best friend. But one of the reasons I loved her is because she got my name every Christmas. Let me try to explain to you. After we all grew up, got married, had kids who got kids and everything, well, our reader Christmas Day deal went from everybody bringing somebody a couple of presents to we drew names. And we put a limit. What I love, and this is the honest truth, every year my sister Vicky found a way to get my name. Now, my sister Vicky. Well, let me put it this way. When she and Calvin got married and I did the counseling, I said, Calvin, one of the things, well, there's a couple of things that can kind of produce problems in marriage. And one of them is finances. And my sister is, um, I love her to death, but um, she can spend money and she can spend money she has and she can spend money she doesn't have. She can just spend money. He said, don't worry, Harry. I quote him. I made her a budget. I said, Calvin, with all due respect, I've known my sister for 40 years. Would you like to know how many budgets I've seen her utterly destroy in her lifetime? So uh, you're going to have to come up with something better than that. But so when she would get, she found a way to get my name every year. Uh, and uh, when she got my name, we had a $50 limit, but somehow her 50 got up. I think I got another, she just kept adding to it somehow. I don't know how. But what I loved is not only her big heart that I benefited from at Christmas, but I mean, how many times have one of y'all said to me, oh, I like that coat. My sister bought that for me. Uh, and so I, that was what, but I, she was in jeans. She, she wanted to make it fun. So one of her favorite tactics at Christmas was she would give me a gift and I would open it. And at the bottom of the gift was, open the next one. And I'd open the next one. And it was related to the other one and took it to another level. And at the bottom of that one was, open the next one. And then, open the next one. Finally, she'd get to. That's it. But, uh, but it kept doing that. Now, you see, when... There is this. Would you take a look at Romans 5 1 just for a moment? Do you see that therefore? One more time, I want you to go back to the previous verse, chapter 4, verse 25. That we are saved through Christ Jesus our Lord. Now look at that. Who gave himself for us. Jesus Christ, who died for our trespasses, who gave himself for our sins. 
and was raised for our justification. Y'all see that? Jesus did not die a model death, although there's much you can learn from it. Jesus did not die a martyr's death at the hands of men. Jesus freely gave himself in our place and took upon himself our sins to bear God's judgment for our sins. Jesus died an atoning death. And how do we know that he has been victorious? The resurrection. He was raised for our justification. Now, understanding the death, the atoning death of Christ and the resurrection from which he ascended to heaven, he now says, Paul says to you, here are five gospel legacies, blessings for you. Now you have, if you are a Christian today, you have so many blessings that we could just go on the rest of life to talk about them. Here's the way Paul sums it up in Ephesians 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places through Christ our Lord. But what Paul does is he doesn't try to give you all the blessings. What he does is give you five legacy blessings that when understood, transform your life from the bottom up and from the inside out. And now he gives them to you. And just like my sister's gifts... Each one leads to the other. One leads to one leads to one. So here is my sister who would servant heart sacrificially give a gift that led to another gift to another gift. Now I don't mean, I, and I just use that illustration. Hopefully I haven't trivialized anything. Now I want you to look beyond and see Jesus, who is God's gift for you. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever would believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Then his son gave himself in our place for us to save us from our sins. And the Bible says at that point, he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And because of his atoning death and triumphant resurrection, the ascended Savior has now, through the Apostle Paul, communicated to us in his word five legacy gifts from Jesus. His atoning death and triumphant resurrection that you can build your life on that will change your life and transform your life, not for salvation, but for your Savior. And so that's where we've been. This is our fifth week in it. We took time for each one of them. So if today you have been saved, you have been justified by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, 
Here's, here was blessing number one. You have peace with God. You didn't before. We are born at enmity. Christ died for his enemies. We are at enmity against God. Our assault weapon against God's sovereignty and holiness is our sin. Our self-absorption, our self-promotion. Oh, we're glad to have Christianity as long as he is a nice in-the-back-pocket God that we can call on whenever we perhaps want him. But that's not the Jesus who is the Lord of glory. Christ that now has given himself for us, and we are not our own. We belong to him, and the one to whom we belong to is called the Prince of Peace. The very Prince of Peace. And you heard the message from the cross and the resurrection of Christ that Christ has provided good news, the gospel of peace. And we are no longer at enmity with God. We are now right with God. Here's the way Jesus said, this is your inheritance from me. This is your legacy blessing. What is it? He says, peace. I leave with you. Not as the world gives you, do I give to you. My peace I give to you. In the world, you will have tribulation. In me, you have peace. You've got peace with God. You've got the peace of God. That guards your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. In me you have peace. Take courage, he said. I have overcome the world. Now when you have peace with God, what does that mean? This is like that little note at the end of first gift. Go to the next one. Because you have you are at peace with God through the atoning death and resurrection of Christ, you now have standing where you have access to God and standing with God at any point in time you can go to God and say these words father father our father and you can call upon him for encouragement you can call upon him for comfort you can call upon him for consolation you can call upon him for strength and you can call out to him praise and glory and honor and you can come together with his people and you have access to him to bring praise to him in gathered worship and you can you can serve him every day of your life with direct access to him you can get to him and he He is with you. That means you not only have access with God, you've got standing with God. When you call upon him, you come in the name of his son, your Lord and your Savior. And he has made the way. He has sprinkled it clean. Well, that means you can now go from falling short of God's glory to rejoicing in the hope of his glory. Now you have blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine that you can now see the text. It says you can rejoice or if you want to look a little bit closer, it's the same word earlier translated in chapters three and four. You can boast. I like the NAS translation. You can exult in the hope 
of glory. May I put it this simply? I mean, I don't know. I I try to imagine these families and others when something happens, you see your children profess faith in Christ, other blessings in life. I don't listen. I don't care what it is you encounter in this life and praise God for it. But here's what I can tell you as a Christian. The best is yet to come. Always. We exult in the hope. I don't have to look back and live in nostalgia. I can learn from the past, but I don't need to live in it. And I don't need to put my hope in the present. I know what's coming. The Savior with a new heavens and a new earth. And I'm his and he's mine. Here is, that didn't lead you in the broken world. And not only this, don't you love that language? Not only this, we exult, we boast, we rejoice in our sufferings. Not anybody's sufferings, our sufferings. He doesn't say you rejoice in sufferings. We're not sadists. We rejoice in our sufferings. Why? We've got a sovereign God who has taken the brokenness of this world. And when it comes against us or when the collateral damage seemingly falls upon us, believers get sick. Believers lose jobs. Believers' businesses fail. we got a sovereign God who is working. And what he is doing in our sufferings, the word sufferings literally means pressure. He's putting the pressures, why? To polish, to perfect, to prepare. That those things are at work and suffering produces endurance. He not only brings the test that shows you what you know, shows you what you don't know, shows you what you need to know. He then keeps bringing them to the point that and he will not test you beyond that which uh, you are able. And he will always make the way of escape as you grow in grace. But he stress tests as well as tests endurance. And that produces character. Suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. Circumstances do not determine our character. They reveal it and become the opportunity to refine it. And then character produces, now we're back to it, hope. Look, he who began a good work in me is finishing it to the day he's polishing me. He's purifying me. He is, he is preparing me. That's what he is doing. He's getting everything out in my life that doesn't need to be there. So when people look increasingly, they won't see me. They'll see Jesus. And hope does not disappoint Because the love of God has been poured out upon us. This, whenever you suffer, that's not an indicator that God doesn't love you. That's a declaration. He is loving you. No testing, no discipline seems joyful at the moment. But those whom the Lord loves, he disciples, he disciplines. Not only in days of prosperity, but days of adversity. And with it, he makes the way of escape, which is him. He is the way. Not only as a Christian, your best days are always ahead of you. But as a Christian, you never go anywhere that's virgin territory. No temptation, no testing has taken you that's not common to man. 
And your Savior has been there ahead of you. And your Savior is with you. Now I want you to get to the fifth one. <laughs> what I wanted to do, I just kind of, because of time, I feel the pressure. I wanted to go after each one of those, I'd say, okay, open the next gift. Peace, access, standing, rejoicing in assurance, rejoicing in our sufferings. Now read the next one. Now you find out how Jesus does this. Because, look, could you look at that last verse I just read for you? Because the love of God has been poured upon us. See that language? That's baptismal language. He has poured out or poured upon us his love. How? Through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. So let me just give you this thought. If you go back to Romans 4.25, that he was delivered up for our transgressions. He was raised for our justification. His atoning death and his resurrection saved you from your sins. It did. He has done the work of your redemption. Now, because he did that, he is ascended on high at the right hand of the Father, and he intercedes for us, and he is now, now catch this, he who did the work of redemption is now working on the redeemed. And how is he working on the redeemed? In love, by pouring out his love, through pouring out upon you the Holy Spirit, who has been given to you. And he is at work on you, in you, and through you. This is so important that, and this is why I can do it in a shorter homily leading to the Lord's Supper, because I'll be back here. The chapter on the Holy Spirit is coming. It's Romans chapter 8. It is a glorious chapter. But he's given you just a little taste of it right here. It is, how, do, how does Jesus dwell in my heart? Through the Holy Spirit. How does Jesus speak to me through his word? The Holy Spirit. How does Jesus, how does Jesus strengthen me? Through Christ. How does Christ strengthen me? Through the Holy Spirit who strengthens me. And here's, here's how Paul wants you to get it. Paul does something really interesting. And we're gonna, we're gonna get to it more, but let me just give it to you a little bit here. He does something really interesting. Whenever he speaks of the ascended Christ sending the Holy Spirit to us, he loves to speak of the Holy Spirit's life in a Christian and not calling the Holy Spirit Holy Spirit, but many times calling the Holy Spirit the Spirit of Christ. In other words, Christ is in you by the Holy Spirit. Who is this Holy Spirit? Christ is speaking to you by the Holy Spirit. Who is this Holy Spirit? This Christ is now in you by sending you the Spirit. Who is this Holy Spirit? It's the one who fashioned him in the virgin birth is the same Holy Spirit from Christ who gave you a new birth. 
And the Bible tells us in the book of Isaiah that Jesus grew in, and in Luke, that Jesus grew in, in uh, wisdom, um, in wisdom, stature, favor with God and favor with man. Isaiah tells you he did that because the spirit of the Lord was upon him. So Jesus' childhood of maturation was under the governorship of the Holy Spirit. And you who have been born again, the same Holy Spirit that was in the virgin's womb that brought forth the Christ through the virgin birth is the same Holy Spirit that brought you from death unto life in a new birth. And as he brought you from death unto life in a new birth, he now is maturing you that you can grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ. And when Jesus went to that baptism, what does the Bible tell us? As he took upon himself the final rite of the Messiah, and that is the priest had to be baptized by another priest. And John the Baptist, a priest and prophet, is baptizing him. And what happens as the water is poured out upon him? The Holy Spirit is poured out upon him. And so you are baptized with the Holy Spirit and sealed by him. Not only did the Holy Spirit come when you and I were helpless and hopeless, not only did the Holy Spirit come when we were helpless and hopeless, but the Holy Spirit who came to us is the Holy Spirit that brought us from death unto life and the Holy Spirit who is guiding us in our pilgrim's progress, growing in grace, and the Holy Spirit who has baptized us and sealed us into Christ. And then where'd the Holy Spirit take Jesus? Out into the wilderness. Who will be with you in the wilderness of this world? The same Spirit who was with Jesus in the wilderness is the Spirit of Christ who is with you. And then the Holy Spirit was with him in the Galilee as he taught. And so the Holy Spirit will be with you as you bear witness for Christ in this world. That's why Paul, that's why Jesus tells us, do not be anxious about what you say and how you say it, for my Spirit will be with you and give you what to say and how to say it. And the same spirit that was with Jesus in the Galilee, then Romans tells us and Hebrews tells us the Holy Spirit ushered him to the cross. And so as Jesus goes to the cross to die for our sins, so the Holy Spirit will usher you every day to take up your cross and die daily for Christ. So it is no longer you who live, but Christ that lives in you. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ that lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave himself up for me. And then the Holy Spirit brought Jesus out of the tomb. And so the Holy Spirit brings you into the newness of life. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Not the perfect. No, no, no. That won't happen till we get to the new heavens and the new earth. And then Jesus from the Mount of Olives is received up into the Shekinah glory, the clouds of glory from the Mount of Olives. And so the Holy Spirit will on the right time bring you home to the new heavens and the new earth and he loses none of us 
who are in Christ. You see, that's why the Bible says that uh, Christ is with you, because the same spirit who was with Christ is with you. And therefore, Christ is with you by the Holy Spirit. So you have the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. Let me put it just simply this way. Knowing that we are knowing. Let me just write this out for you. And we'll go to the Lord's Supper now. Knowing we are sinners, helpless and hopeless. How are the gospel legacy blessings confirmed to and confirmed upon those who are justified by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone? How, how do we have Peace with God, standing, access, rejoicing in our hope, rejoicing in our sufferings because the Holy Spirit has come from Christ to you. He has saved you. He has brought you from death unto life. He has sealed you. He is sanctifying you. He is sending you into this world. And he has secured you. And you cannot be lost. He has you. He will hold you fast. That's what the Holy Spirit is doing in your life. So my brothers and sisters, I am glad to come to this table. This table brings me back to Romans 4.25. Here will be the bread that is his body, which he bore our sins on the cross. Here is the blood he shed as he gave his life for our life, that we might be forgiven and clothed in his righteousness for everlasting life. From the cross, it's no accident but sovereign wisdom that takes the Lord's Supper with elements that bring you to the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Christ, who when he ascended, went who when he ascended after doing the work of redemption, went to work on the redeemed by his Holy Spirit. And this is what he said to us. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, his presence, you will receive power. The Holy Spirit will be your strength. How do you know a spirit-filled church? How do you know a spirit-filled Christian? It is not but it is it is certainly by extraordinary emotional dynamics but it is not by uh, displays here's here's what packer says the holy spirit is the shy spirit when he shows up with power every, nobody's talking about him they're talking because of him and they're talking about jesus when you receive power You will be my witnesses. There is the evidence of the Spirit of God. So tonight, today, as you're here and as you come to this table, and we'll be doing it as we have uh, 
throughout this year. And you come and you go back and sit down and hold your elements that we may partake together. You have been brought back to the cross. And what I want you to think of today is you have peace with God because of Christ. If you're in Christ by faith. And you have standing with God. And you have access to God. And you can rejoice the best is yet to come. Blessed assurance. You can even be strengthened to rejoice in your sufferings. And it's all because this Savior has poured out his spirit to save you, seal you, sanctify you, send you, and secure you. And while you sit there, he will speak to your hearts and point you to Christ. And then take you in his power to lift up Christ in this world. Father, thank you so much for the moments to be in your word. Thank you for this glorious text that brings us to the very foot of the cross. Even as we celebrate the sacrament that brings us back to the cross wherein is our redemption. So, Father, I pray that you would speak to your people as they take these moments to focus through the Lord's Supper upon Christ in the strength, presence, and power of the Holy Spirit. Father, may they sense his presence, and as they sense the presence of the Holy Spirit, May they be assured that Christ is with them, is for them, is saving them, is sending them, and will secure them all the way home. In Jesus' name, amen. You have been listening to a message by Harry Reader. Senior Pastor of Briarwood Presbyterian Church in Birmingham, Alabama. For more information on the resources available through Briarwood Presbyterian Church, or for more information on the teaching ministry of Pastor Reader, visit us at briarwood.org or call 205-776-5200.